0: Well, today uh, we begin a brand new series that I'm calling Holy Spirit, very simply. And so I I don't know about you, but growing up, uh, I I really could not sing the song that we just sang. Uh, I identify with scholar Gordon Fee, who says, uh, I believe in God the Father. Uh, I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son. But I wonder about the Holy Ghost." And I don't know if you resonate with that. It's uh, also a quote from Dr. Leonard Allen, a professor at Lipscomb University who came out with a book a few years ago called Poured Out, uh, a book about the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that Leonard Allen says is that the Holy Spirit is like the Cinderella of theology, suffering from much neglect. Uh, Or maybe one of the more sobering quotes that I've read over the years is this quote from scholar Francis Schaeffer who says, how many churches and ministries would not even notice or would carry on exactly in the same manner as usual, even though every reference to dependence on the Holy Spirit and to prayer were suddenly to disappear from the pages of the New Testament. And I want to be up front with you. I, I know that in a room this size that we come from a lot of different backgrounds, uh, a lot of different uh, church flavors. And, and so uh, some of you are, are Buick's, brought up in church kids, B-U-I-C-K. Some of you are Buick's. Um, some of you uh, have, did not grow up in church. Uh, I know because I've had, I've had good conversations with you about that. Uh, others are fairly new to following Christ. And and some of you have even had painful experiences from the church, painful church experiences. Some have had hurtful experiences around this topic, the topic of the Holy Spirit. And so, in the early church, uh, we see, particularly in in Corinthians, uh, what we see is we really see a few chapters that are dedicated to the chaos and the confusion that goes alongside the Spirit. Uh, In one sense, uh, we hear and we relate to and we experience things through our our past experiences. Yet when we acknowledge the role of our past and how we see and hear something, we can actually begin to differentiate ourselves from our past and give ourselves a chance to see and hear something anew, to hear something afresh. So I want to invite us just as we enter in today's message into a word of prayer. And so Lord, I pray that you enable us to hear your word anew. Uh, God, I pray for a healing from our past, particularly past church experiences that have left us wounded. I pray for a sense of a clean break uh, that we would be established and that we would be able to open our hearts and minds to what your word has to say about your spirit. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. So, here's what we're going to do for the the next few weeks. Uh, We are going to uh, look at the one who had the most appreciation, who knew the Holy Spirit the best. His name is Jesus. And so, I, I would submit that we can't even talk about the Holy Spirit in the church until we first appreciate the relationship that Jesus had with the Holy Spirit. Your Bible makes more than a hundred references, if you just were to go through your New Testament today, more than a hundred references to the Holy Spirit. Jesus says more about the Spirit than He says about finances. He says more about the Spirit than He says about the church. He says more about the Spirit than He even says about the future. And those are things that we get fixated on quite often. Jesus says more about the Spirit than those things. And have you ever thought about the amazingly, seemingly impossible story of the church? How in one generation, a ragtag group of peasants, male and female, some fishermen, and a tax collector... Now, all of these were enabled to change the course of human history. They did not have educational resources. They didn't even have political resources. No status. No positional power. They did not have big financial donors. No TikTok. No face scrolls. No jcministries.com. They had none of this. And yet, they changed the world, not because of what they didn't have, they changed the world because of what they did have, the Holy Spirit. Jesus has told these disciples to leave everything, and now he's telling them that he's going to leave. In John 14 through 16, he says, I'm going away 10 times. And so he doesn't say, uh, here's what you need, here's what you need, disciples, you, you, you need to read more Torah, get more law, get more commands underneath your belt, because you're going to need them. Doesn't say that doesn't say, well, uh, just have a positive mental attitude. If you have a positive mental attitude, then all this is going to work out and play out the way that it needs to. He doesn't even say, hey, you need to depend on each other. He doesn't even answer all their questions. He tells them one thing, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus tells his disciples. So church, we're never going to appreciate the Holy Spirit until we understand how much Jesus appreciated the presence of the Holy Spirit. So your first uh, takeaway today is that we welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, many of you are probably familiar with the author, Max Licato. Uh, you're probably also familiar with uh, the, the pulpit minister from North Richland Hills in Dallas, Texas, Rick Ashley. which you may not know is that Max Lucado and Rick Ashley were college roommates. And so uh, they were having lunch one day, and they were invited to a pretty prestigious golf course, and uh, they were having lunch one day with a gentleman named David Faraday, who is, uh, was a golf pro and also is a famous golf broadcaster. And so David Faraday really didn't know Rick or Max, wasn't really a religious guy, and so, uh, but his boss at NBC told him, he said, I need you to make sure that, that these two guys have a good time on the golf course today, so I want you to take care of them. So they're sitting down for lunch, and, and David Faraday just trying to create some small talk says, you know, I, I just finished my first book. And, and, and so he says, I just finished my first book. And would you know what? That you, there's not near the amount of money that you would think about writing a book. There's it just, just not near the amount of money. And, and to which Rick actually says, well, you know, my friend Max writes some books too. And then David Faraday looks at him and said, well, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. And David Faraday had no idea that he was sitting at a table with a guy who has sold over 130 million copies of his books. Had no idea whose presence he was in when he tried to create this small talk at the table. I wonder if we realize whose presence we're in when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Have we underestimated His presence. Speaking of Max Licato in his new book, Help is Here, Finding Fresh Strength and Purpose in the Power of the Holy Spirit, Max writes, the Spirit of God longs to give you His great power. He will guide, teach, and energize you. He will shoulder the burdens you were never intended to carry. Challenges come with life, but they need not define your life. Help is here. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the paraclete. This is just a word that means advocate or, or helper. It's actually a, a military term. And so in Roman culture, uh, a soldier who would have your back was called your paraclete. And Jesus uses this term and in, in, in talking about the Holy Spirit. This word only appears five times in all of Scripture, and for those times, Jesus is the one who uses it. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to John chapter 14, and let's just look at, at where it is used. John 14, starting in verse 16. I will ask the Father, Jesus said, and He will give you another helper, the paraclete, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. A few verses down, John 14. 26 the helper the paraclete whom the father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that i have said to you flip over one chapter john 15 26 right after jesus talks about being the vine and that we can do nothing apart from him he talks about in john 15 26 when the helper when the paraclete comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Now hold on to that thought. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. John 16, verse 7 and 8. It's to your advantage that I go away, for if you do not go away, if I do not go away, the helper, the paraclete, will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin sin and righteousness and judgment. So we welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. We also greet the paraclete, the helper. It's to your advantage that I'm going away because you are going to receive a gift. Do you remember Acts chapter one? We've talked about this the past few weeks uh, in our previous series and then even in our vision Sunday last week. You remember in Acts chapter 1, where the the disciples have just received this this commissioning almost from from Christ, He says that you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to be my witnesses. Uh, We'll talk about that in just a moment. And then the the disciples, they end up not knowing what to do. And so they, they gather and they pray for 10 days. And then after praying for 10 days, Peter gets up and gives a 10-minute sermon. And some of you are like, yeah, 10-minute sermons, amen. Can't we bring those back from, from the early church? And, and so here's the deal. You pray for 10 days, and we'll talk about it, all right? <laughs> Peter says, this Jesus that you crucified, God has made Lord, and God has made Messiah, and they're cut to the heart. And so they say, well, what do we do? What, what do we do now? We were wrong. And Peter tells them, repent. Repent. Like, change your mind about this Jesus. Repent. Turn. Change your mind about him. Be baptized, and you will receive the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if we're honest, if we've particularly grown up in, in the tribe of churches of Christ, this is a, Acts 2.38 is, is, a, is a pretty foundational verse. I mean, you, you take Acts 2.38 and 728b, you put those together, I mean, you got, you got COC all over it, Right? But what we often do is we stop at verse 38. Don't consider verse 39. The very next verse, the promise, here's what Peter says, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. All who are far off, here's what I believe Peter is saying, all who are far off geographically, but all who are far off chronologically, your children, you say, well, what's the point? Well, I've heard some in church say, well, the promise was only for them. That's not what the text says. The promise is for you and your children, generations. It's one of the pillars of our vision, 2030. John 6:63, 6, Jesus would say it this way, that the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. How good would it be if we woke up every morning being reminded of these words of Jesus? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Spirit gives life. Do you know what the meaning of the word enthusiasm is? If you look up the original meaning, that word, E-N-N, it just means within, within. And then theos is the word for God, enthusiasm, entheosism, in God, God within, God filled with God is literally what enthusiasm means. Do you know what the word amusement means? It means diversion of attention. Originally it meant without the gods, a muses without the gods. We live in a culture that is completely tranquilized by things not of God. We are amusing ourselves to death. Yet we lack enthusiasm, the wonder of being filled with God. So number three is that we embrace the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is not a positional power if we think of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He set aside His power. He did not consider equality with God something to be exploited, something to be grasped at. He gave up Himself, made Himself nothing. This is not a positional power. This is an inner strength that can only come from God's Spirit. It's an inner power. That word in Acts 1, you shall receive power. It's the Greek word dunamis, that's where we get the word dynamite. It's like this explosion, this God-infused explosion that produces God-given fruit. And what's the fruit that Paul would say comes from the Spirit of God? It's the fruit of love, of joy, of peace. I have to sing it to remember it all love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control (laughs) self-control we sing that as as kids we teach it to our kids but do we live it as adults We recognize that there are, there are situations in my life that I cannot muster up these, these fruits, this, this fruit. I can't muster it up on my own. Love. Joy. I mean, there, there's times where like, I just can't pull joy out of my boot. That has to come from somewhere beyond me. Patience. Patience amen (laughs) we don't have a lot of patience it's not something i can muster up on my own now this past week we received a thank you note from a family from selma alabama you'll see a picture on the screen of maddie lee she's seven years old just had spinal surgery at children's hospital because of your generosity, she was able to stay in our hospital apartments downtown with her mom. This is a picture of her walking for the first time since her spinal surgery. She also got to play basketball at the Lakeshore Foundation just down the road. You'll see a picture of that on the screen. Uh, some of our members go to the Lakeshore Foundation. What a wonderful ministry and, and facility that we have right in our backyard. Her mom wrote this note. She said, Maddie had so much fun. Being in an apartment has made life so much easier and opened up so many opportunities that we wouldn't have had. The spirit-infused generosity of you, is what blessed Maddie this week. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Aren't you thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness to young ladies like Maddie? Aren't you thankful that you can be in a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is not an it. Don't take my word for it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Acts chapter 5, the the, the church is is rocking and rolling. This this thing is getting out, baby. It's moving. And we we only get a few chapters in when people start being people. And we know what it's like to be people because we people. We know what it's like to mess up. Then Peter said, Acts 5, 3, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to The Holy Spirit, and have kept for yourself some of the money that you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied just to human beings, but to God. You can't lie to a rock. Lying to someone is a relational interaction. Takeaway number four is to acknowledge the person of the Holy Spirit. Can you say this with me? The Holy Spirit is the gift of God to me through Jesus. Can you say that? The Holy Spirit is the gift of God to me through Jesus. One more time. The Holy Spirit is the gift of God to me through Jesus. May we be a church that turns towards seeing and speaking of and relating to the Holy Spirit the way that Jesus and his early followers did the Holy Spirit is a gift that has real impact this side of the grave and here's just a preview of some of the ways that scripture talks about the spirit this is just a preview for the next few weeks as we dive into the pages of Scripture and as we see the life of Jesus and how He talked about the Spirit. Luke 1.35, the Spirit is the power of the Most High. 1 Corinthians 3.16, the Spirit of God, it says. Romans 8.9, the Spirit of Christ. Hebrews 9.14, the eternal Spirit. John 16.13, the Spirit of truth. Hebrews 10.29, the Spirit of grace. Anybody need the Spirit of grace in their life? 1 Peter 4.14, the Spirit of glory. Romans 8.2, the Spirit who gives life. Ephesians 17, the counselor, the comforter. John 14.26, the advocate. Romans 8.15, the spirit of adoption. 2 Corinthians 4.3, the spirit of faith. Romans 1.4, the spirit of holiness. Anybody need that help? How many of us want that gift? Church, the spirit of God is not inside of us to do weird, goofy things. The Holy Spirit is inside of us to do God honoring things. Which leads us to the fifth and final takeaway. And don't, don't miss this. Don't miss who the pointer points to. The Holy Spirit is pointing to. Jesus, John 15, 26, we read it just a moment ago. When the helper, when the paraclete comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. The Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. As we prepare for communion this morning, I'm reminded of the words of Howard Thurman, the mentor to Martin Luther King, Jr., Who says this, to be in unity with the Spirit is to be in unity with one's fellows. Not to be in unity with one's fellows is thereby not to be in unity with the Spirit. The pragmatic test of one's unity with the Spirit is found in the unity with one's fellows. As we eat the bread and drink the cup this morning may we be reminded of the words of Paul to the church in Ephesus. To be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in awe. Church because of the Spirit, we not only eat and drink with brothers and sisters in this room, but we share this meal with those who are gathered all over this city, all over this land. Those who are gathered at the Roosevelt City Church of Christ 10 minutes down the road, Those who gathered in Rwanda, Africa seven hours ago, because there's a seven hour time difference between us and them. Those who have gathered in Honduras, Jesus followers all over this world, past, present and future, we gather in the name of Jesus. We find our common unity in his death, his burial and his resurrection. So before we pray for the bread and the cup, may we embrace the joy of trusting in God's grace for the forgiveness of sin, and that the one spirit who unites us is the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So let's pray for the bread. Father, we thank you for the blessing of memory. We remember our old self, and we pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and in your love, you have indeed shown us mercy. Mercy and grace are wonderful teachers, and thank you, Lord, for this bread that reminds us of the body of Christ. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen. The body of Christ given for you. Let's pray for the cup. Father, we thank you for the greatest act of love ever displayed in human history. And we're thankful that we do not remember a deceased Lord, but that we remember a resurrected Savior. And so, Father, we pause to say the words that we find in the Song of Solomon, I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. As we drink the cup, may we be reminded that your love is on record for each and every one of us. In Jesus' good name, amen. The blood of Christ given for you. Be filled with the Spirit, Paul would say. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite the praise team to be coming up. We're going to say a word of prayer after we pray. If you'd like to meet with one of our shepherds to pray with them, they'll be down front. There'll also be a shepherd and his spouse back here in this room to my right, the chapel. Today's the day of the day that you want to name Jesus as Lord, be baptized into him. We would love to celebrate that with you. Let's pray. And so, Father and God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you as we begin this series. God, may we be more aware of the Spirit's presence in our lives. God, I pray that we will recognize that, uh, that we can do nothing on our own that apart from you, we can do nothing, and that you have given us a great gift. It's a gift. It's not something that can be achieved. It's only something that we can receive. And we're so thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we pray, come Holy Spirit, fill our hearts and kindle them in the fire of your love. Gotta love this church. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to serve each and every week. I pray that the words that I've said today, if there's anything not of you, I pray that it'll fall to the wayside. I pray that only that which is from you will take root and grow in our hearts this week as we serve you. Thank you for the spirit that you have filled us with. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen.